The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Hello, my friends. How are you doing? You guys uh, all ready for the uh, for the big show? It's the big show. That's right. It's the Friday edition of the Michael Duke Show, which means it is Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues related to the Second Amendment, uh, to gun rights, um, responsibilities. Uh, the discussion on uh, tips, tricks, tactics, uh, uh, laws, and um, history. We do history, too, here because, you know, why not? we got a lot of stuff going on. This would be the perfect time uh, for all this stuff to go down. Uh, anyway, we wanted to say good morning. How are you? You guys ready to, uh, you guys ready to go and talk about uh, all the various stuff? Um, we've got a good show lined up for you today starting here. In a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Donna Anthony, who is the uh, uh, president, owner, chief cook and bottle washer over there at um, uh, Point Blank Firearms and Self-Defense. She is a uh, training specialist, uh, training both both, uh, police and uh, private citizens and locals uh, for everything from uh, personal defense and concealed carry to active shooting. And more, <clears throat> she's coming on board to discuss with us what um, this new training for Shelley Hughes's bill, which, by the way, is again on uh, in today. It's at Senate Labor and Fine uh, Senate Labor Senate Labor and Commerce. Oh, I haven't had enough coffee yet. Senate Labor and Commerce. It's in the committee today at one thirty p.m. And uh, you can call in and testify, and I hope you do. I hope you do call in and testify on that. This is the bill that would allow the school districts to have a designated uh, group of teachers or whoever that could conceal carry on campus to be able to protect uh, the students and themselves in the event of an active shooter situation. And uh, this bill is uh, going to be uh, in labor and commerce, and I hope that we get enough, uh, I hope we get enough support for it today to see it move out of the committee. But part of that uh, bill would provide for a special <clears throat> 32 hours of training, um, a specialized training for active shooters in schools. And so I wanted to talk to Donna Anthony about what that might look like from a teacher's perspective. So what specifically would these teachers or this school staff learn um, and in this training that would be different than, you know, something else that we would do. So I wanted to get kind of her take on it. She's got a busy morning this morning, so I don't know how long we're going to have her with us, but we're going to get the rundown from her here starting at about uh, 10, 15 minutes. We'll be chatting with her, 
uh, this morning and discussing it and uh, and getting uh, getting the full rundown. Also got some headlines, uh, the different things that we want to talk about. The phone lines are also open for gun Q&A all day if you have a question uh, or a comment or you want to call and agree with me or call and disagree with me. I'd love to hear what you have to say <clears throat> on all these things and, uh, you know, just kind of get a feel for where you're at uh, on this beautiful Firearms Friday in related to, you know, any topic is fair game as long as it's uh, even tangentially firearm related. We'd love to hear what you have to say. The number to call on that, by the way, is 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150, and we're going to talk about that all. We'll, we'll have that pretty much open for the entire show leading right up to Willie and then we'll <clears throat> and then we'll uh, we'll be uh, off with that. So feel free to feel free to smile and dial, my friends. So Firearms Friday of course that one day a week where we uh, are trying to uh, uh, you know, we're trying to demystify the firearm. We're trying to explain uh, a lot of things. It was interesting yesterday during Shelley's uh, Hughes's visit with us yesterday. Uh, we had somebody joining us on YouTube. Um, one of the one of the chatters on YouTube, and um, he was just going off about um, Shelley's bill, and um, it, it, he was doing everything, calling her evil, and why would you do this, and why would you want to train teachers to shoot students, and I mean, just some of the most horrific, most knee-jerk, emotionally reactive stuff that you could possibly imagine. Okay. And look, <clears throat> to each his own. The problem is there are many people out there that feel that way, that they are so horrified. Now, he admitted he doesn't live in America. He wouldn't say where he was from, which I found interesting because I'm like, well, you, you know, you're, you're, you're utopia. Where I, I actually asked him at one point in the chat room, I typed it out. I didn't talk about it because I didn't want to draw attention to it when, when uh, Shelly was on. But I actually asked him, what utopian village do you live in? You know, where, where do you live that this is so great? Because he's like, we have it figured out. Um, but the problem is, is that violence is universal. And just because you may be afraid of a firearm or you may, you know, the, the problem is, is that many of these people who are against private citizens having firearms are a-okay with police, law enforcement, military, you know, them being the only ones, as David Codria says, to have firearms. And yet we can point again and again to the situation where uh, there's plenty of corruption in law enforcement and in militaries and in, you know, people are people. Um, and we can point to the statistics that show that concealed carry permit holders are statistically less likely to commit crime than even uniformed police officers. The Again, the, the, the percentile of people who have a concealed carry permit that actually commit crimes, it, it occurs at a lower rate than it does for police officers. And so, you know, it, it's interesting to watch and to see that kind of, for me, it was interesting to watch this kind of visceral knee-jerk reaction because it's about fear. And it's about a it's about a uh, a narrative and a mantra that somehow uh, the mere presence of that firearm in the hands of a law-abiding citizen is somehow dangerous and onerous and should be stopped at all costs. But they never stop to think or to talk about the criminal who's made a decision 
who's made a decision to break the law, who's made a decision to shatter the norms and the vagaries of, you know, who, who, who just doesn't care about the stipulations of society. They've decided that they're going to rape, rob, murder, steal, do whatever they're going to do, and, th- and they don't care about the consequences. And, uh, and yet a lot of these people are afraid of honest, law-abiding citizens that just want to have the ability to protect themselves from that. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a little disconcerting sometimes to watch, but it's also interesting, again, from that perspective of watching somebody completely lose their stuff on the, you know, in the chat, uh, just getting, just vehemently, you know, espousing, you know, hatred and, and, uh, um, and zeal about anybody that would think that a gun is a good thing, except I guess in the hands of the people that you that that you think are are qualified to protect you. So it's um, anyway, it was an interest interesting take uh, from there from yesterday. Uh, and I told him, I said, if you hated, if you didn't like today's show, I said you will hate tomorrow's show, that which would be today. So we'll see if he tunes back in this morning to uh, sound off. It should be it should be interesting. Let's just put it that way. Uh, what are some of the stories that I want to cover today? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about Rust, um, the shooting uh, that took place on the Rust uh, movie set with Alec Baldwin. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how Gavin Newsom appears to be the spiritual successor. Oh, this is such a great story. The spiritual successor to the segregationist governor, uh during uh, uh, Orville Fabus of Arkansas, um, how he is the the spiritual successor to the segregationist gover- governor over his resistance to the Brune decision. And there are some parallels that were drawn in a recent filing from the California Rifle and Pistol Association versus the sheriffs of Los Angeles. Um, and in the reply submitted to the U.S. District Court, they absolutely go hog on this guy and uh and and laying down some some parallels that are quite honestly some of the most eye-opening and I'm I'm sure Gavin Newsom is screaming at his wall right now <clears throat> which good as far as I'm concerned good um but we'll talk a little bit about that as well um what else we got here we've got the um um uh, I'm sorry. We've got that. We've got the new uh, Ken Hackathorn uh, clip. I don't know if you saw this on Wilson Combat uh, YouTube channel. It's been going around on uh, Instagram and I uh, guess TikTok or something. Um, There's an interview or a little piece from the Wilson. Wilson Combat has several different uh, YouTube shows that they host. One included Ken Hackathorn. Uh, who is a, a former special forces? He's an army, you know, firearms instructor. He teaches for the FBI. This guy's been there, done that, got the T-shirt kind of thing. And he had this commentary on flashlights uh, on firearms, which, um, well, I got to disagree with him. But I mean, again, your your mileage may vary. We're going to talk about that and play that as well. Uh, we've got that, and uh, oh, we may get to the. We we may we may get to the Tommy Chong interview with Joe Rogan, which if you didn't watch, 
I mean, I'll save you the trouble. The uh, you know, the guy's an idiot, but it's an interesting it's an interesting comment, and I'd like to take it apart. If we have time today, I'm gonna take it apart and dissect it piece by piece, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Um, but uh yeah, the Tommy Chong interview with Joe Rogan, which which was I mean, Tommy Chong is 80 years old and has probably smoked a pickup truck load of marijuana in his life. So I don't know if necessarily it's somebody that we need to, uh, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily somebody we need to hold up as the expert on anything at this point. But uh, it, if I get a t- if we get a chance to, we're going to, we're going to dive into that and talk about it. All right. Well, we're coming up on the break. And so I'm not going to get into anything else right now. We're just going to get ready to go. And we will end up talking to Donna Anthony in just a hot minute. How about that? How about that? We will uh, jump over there and do that here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like, share, come on out, join us on Facebook. And we can uh, do all that here in just a minute. So uh, we'll be back with more Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio, The Michael Duke Show. Back with more in just a moment. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. um, (laughs) I just went to mash something and my phone updated on something. Let me see. Is Donna there? Hello, Donna. Are you there? Good morning, Michael. All right. So, all right. We called each other on Facebook instead of on the phone. So that's fine. That works. Uh, that works perfect. I was just literally trying to go get the phone number to dial you. And my phone said, <laughs> I'd like to update. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so anyway. That's the story of my life every day. <laughs> I know, really. And so uh, we jumped into it here and you just happened to call over Facebook video right at that moment. So we're all good to go. All right. Um, so hold the line here, Donna. Let me get caught up real quick in the uh, chat room on some of the comments, and then we can, uh, you and I can get started here in just a second here, um, and uh, and we'll we'll go through here. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's got a good morning. My dad's in there. Hello, Dad. Love you. Love Mom. Hope you guys are doing okay. Um, Friday. Another week's gone by. Yeah, it's cold outside. It is cold. It is like zero degrees here, and the wind is woof. Um, going, going, going. Uh, communists do not want an armed, informed citizenry, says Armed and AK. I would agree with that. Um, good morning, he says. Unfortunately, YouTube is deleting my commentary. Wow. Um... Uh, Brian had to reboot and everything else. His hard drive is busy this morning. Um, yeah, uh, I did read the piece. Brian asked me if I read the piece in Reason Magazine by Jacob Sullum on the bump stop case. I was going to try and get him on, but I just didn't have enough time. Uh, so I, uh, I'm going to try and get him on maybe next week to discuss that. 
There's some interesting things to talk about um, in regards to that case. Um, and uh, what I found what I found most uh, interesting was that they did not draw the correlation to the Sackett case, which was the case of the EPA where the agency decided to re uh, interpret something that had been stated law for years. Um, uh, and so anyway, there's some interesting, there's some interesting corollaries there that we should talk about. Uh, but we're going to, I'm going to try and get Jacob on for next week and we can talk about that on the next firearms Friday and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get things ready to go. Okay. Um, I think that clears up all the, all the headlines, all the stuff, the stuff and things right there. So let me uh, let me get ready here, and we'll bring uh, Donna back on, and we'll uh, we'll get all this uh, squared away uh, with Donna Anthony from Point Blank Firearms and Self Defense. Uh, let me bring her back uh, from the uh, from the green room here, and say good morning again. <clears throat> good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Michael. All right, y'all, coffeeed up and ready to go. I'm I'm working on it. This is early. I just flew back from New Orleans yesterday, so oh, I'm yeah. adjusting. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. She's like every <laughs> every time I talk to her and say, "Hey, you want to come on?" She's like, "It's like, oh, you bastard! You make me come on so early in the morning." She doesn't say that. I say that, but, but I can uh, I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel it in between the characters as she types them, and she says, "Oh, that's really early." In her mind, she's going, "You bastard! You're making me get up so uh. early." Yeah. Well, you know what? There's no, there's no sleep for the, no rest for the wicked. No, there's no weird. That's right. A good person's job is never done. I can't remember. There's some axiom in there that makes us all look good. That's all I'm saying. So you were so close though. That was good though. Yeah. I know that was really good. That was really good. That's good. Uh, it's still early. <laughs> still, it's still early. Two birds in the hand is worth one in the bush, or something. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna throw. I'm just gonna keep throwing old ad hominem, uh, you know, uh, axioms and and analogies out there until we hit something right. So this morning, I wanted to talk to you <clears throat> about, of course, the uh, the potential training because part of SB 175 includes a 32 or 36 hour training regimen. Um, it's a yeah, 32, yeah, yeah. 32 hour training regimen for teachers or staff who would be, you know, who would go armed in the schools. And I'm just curious as to what something like that would look like. And so that, that we have kind of an idea because, you know, people are worried about, well, you just can't let anybody go into school for, you know, so I wanted to know kind of what that training would look like. Uh, I know you've done a lot of active shooting, uh, training uh, for you know law enforcement and for private organizations and security and churches and all that kind of stuff. So we want to kind of get a better feel for it. And I know you have to. F I know you got a fleet of Anchorage here this morning. So you tell me when you're running out of time, okay? Uh, otherwise, I'll take you yeah. right to right to the top of the hour. Well, we want to first look at you know why are we even looking at this in the first place? And yeah. when you look at Alaska, you know, because I'm back in law enforcement again and. In my, my history, my background, obviously, I was a school resource officer yeah. uh, in, in Ohio back in the 90s. Okay, well, don't the, let, don't, mm -hmm. yeah, let's not get too far into it. I just want to say, so I'll, I'll keep yeah. you up to the top of the hour if you're, if you're willing to stay, and then we'll go from there. So hold the line. Yeah. I'll okay. Be, all right. I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
what the hell is an assault weapon? What isn't? If I assault you with a penguin, doesn't that make it an assault weapon? Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. All right, we're back. Assault penguins and all. That's what we're doing right here. We're talking with Donna Anthony, who is the president, uh, CEO, chief cook and bottle washer over there at Point Blank Firearms and Self-Defense. She is uh, in law enforcement, and she has been training uh, people in the private sector, in law enforcement uh, for many years and everything from basic pistol rifle classes, concealed carry, active shooter training, and everything in between over there at Point Blank Firearms and Self-Defense Training in Palmer. And uh, I asked her to come on this morning to discuss with us um, the the component of SB 175, which Shelley Hughes mentioned in passing this week when we talked to her, which is 32 hours of specialized training for active shooters uh, in kind of a school scenario. And I wanted to kind of get a rundown on that. Uh, first, uh, let's just say welcome to Donna. Thank you for coming on board this morning. Thank you, Michael. So when we talked about that 32 hours, that's just a basic. I, I know we were talking about uh, whoever selected for these positions, and these are more the remote areas. Uh, Anchor just got their school resource officers, Wasilla PD, uh, Palmer does. I know my police department have an SRO. But once you hit these remote areas, the you got to look at Alaska. Our infrastructure, we're lacking. Uh, we have to fly in. We're looking. It could be hours, days, depending on the weather. So we have to make sure that our, our students and our teachers are safe no matter where they are in Alaska. And so we looked at a model called Faster Saves Lives. That's in the lower 48. And they're doing this in like 22 other states. Okay. So we're trying to give teachers. I mean, we want, I mean, we want to give teachers or somebody who is trained to go in the school. I mean, we looked at law enforcement who are retired. That'd be excellent for this position or somebody who's been in the military. But. Um, at the same time, they're doing the background training, you know, you know, during the background, make sure they have the training. And then basically in there, you're required in this position to have a school plan, floor plan, work with law enforcement, uh, try to train with law enforcement, practicing drills. It's just not like here's a gun, go walk the, the, the hallways. It's, it's basically a trained school resource officer, but just not law enforcement right. and underneath the, the, the underneath the administration. And and through their policies and procedures. So the, the administrator in their school district has a lot of say in, in what they want done, but it's a good program because when I was a school research officer, this was before Columbine and during and after, because um, I had the, the family of Rachel who was murdered from Columbine come to our school, but it really opened up my eyes because we waited for SWAT to show up. That's too late. And then we went to the first four called the Diamond Shape uh, to go in. That took too long. We learned that active shooters are statistically done by FBI within two to five minutes. Now, we're not there within two to five minutes. So if somebody's there with a gun to stop an active shooter, this will save lives. And we know that. And we know right. that gun-free zones, 98% of gun-free zones that we're seeing these active shooters. And why are we having our schools gun-free zones, but we can have everyone else armed to, you know, go to certain places, you know? It's, it's why we're not protecting our children. So right. we just need to look outside the box for Alaska. We're different. We're unique. And once you get out of these uh, cities, these remote areas have no protection. Right. Well, I mean, even I mean, again, even in the Matsu or some of these other areas, I mean, it could be 15 minutes before you get if you're outside of Wasilla, the city of Wasilla or outside of Palmer or in some of these areas, you know, you're talking about Talkeetna and Houston, the troopers responding. Right. It could be a 20 minute wait. I mean, that and like you said, if they're done in five minutes. That's a problem. I mean, that was the tragedy of like Uvalde, right? That they stood around and did nothing for so long. Oh, um, uh, awful. That was awful. Yeah. yeah. 
And so Bad training. Yeah, well, exactly. Go ahead, sorry. And and that's the that's the problem. So having somebody in the building, especially somebody who is covert in the building, who the, nobody knows that they're carrying, gives them that tactical element of surprise. Plus, they have the training that's needed to do it, and they're right there. They can respond immediately within the two-minute window that we're talking about. That seems that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, we put we put armed guards in banks, we put armed guards in courthouses, we put armed guards in Capitol buildings. Why wouldn't we put armed guards in our schools, where the, our most precious cargo is? Right. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and like I said, people say, well, this won't happen here in Alaska. So I just did a quick Google search for you yesterday, since you asked me down here. But, you know, 1997, that was a shooting in Bethel. Then we had 2019. We had the village of Russia mission. Citizens went hiding from an active shooter. And then we had 2019, Matsuborough School District. Threats of guns and violence, both Colony High and Colony Middle School. Then we've got Juno, 2019 Juno PD, a 13-year-old student planning on bringing a gun to school to shoot people. 2021. Community of Cake was on lockdown following reports of an active shooter. Cake has had a lot of issues, and you'll hear the villages and the leaders complaining because in Cake, they had a female who was murdered and left naked right in front of the church. It took 16 hours for a trooper to respond into that area. 16 hours for just a body who's dead. That's not an active shooter. This is too late. This is not fair to the people in these communities. And then in 2022, you have uh, police in Anchorage and Fairbank. They're investigating reports of active shooters in their high schools. And then 2023, Colony was pretty busy. Now Palmer PD has a school resource officer in Colony High School. Even though it's outside their jurisdiction, there's an agreement, MOU agreement. So now you have a new officer there. Uh, 2023, Nome Junior High, senior high schools so were locked down. Reports of possible active shooter threats. 2023, uh, the school district across the state reports threats made to their schools, according to Alaska Department of Education and Early Development prompting um, prompting evac evacuations and school closures. I mean, these are just some of the ones I just quickly Googled. We do right. have issues here in Alaska. This is a quick Google search. This is not an in-depth look. This yeah. is a quick scan of Google, and here you are. Look at all – this, again, reminds me why I was so glad that I homeschooled all my kids. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it is it is a problem. Now, so let's talk about the specific training that, you know, something – in a four-day course, if you were putting together – because you've done active shooter trainings for, uh, mm -hmm. for military – or for uh, law enforcement and for, like, church and other security teams. So if, if uh, you know, give us an idea of what, if I was a teacher and I wanted to concealed carry, what would I expect uh, going into a course like that? What would I be trained and how would it be different than a standard self-defense course or something like that? Give me a, give me a little bit of a breakdown here about what we would expect to see. Yeah. So I talked to Shelly on that and that's where we bring the faster safe lives in because they, they do this and but what we're looking at here is, you know, one, you have to have, you got to be able to shoot and, and qualify, right? We want somebody who can actually uh, handle their weapon. Uh, one, we need to know that you know what the Alaska gun laws are, when you can and cannot shoot. And then I really recommend this, the National School Resource Officers training. So if they're in the school, they can do this training. It's not just for law enforcement. We have administration going. So, uh, and they can add these programs like safer, safer, uh, safe school lines. It's, uh, I had it when I was with uh, Ohio and these kids would call in tips on who's bringing guns. And I stopped a kid who was making a pipe bomb back in the 90s. I stopped a kid who was in middle school who was going to do an active shooter. He had access to guns, the drawings, and he made a comment. And then next thing you know, I got a tip and we investigated, right? When you get a tip, we investigate. We still do those things. We'll go investigate and we end up getting all the guns and, and putting them in some mediation for the young kid. But there's a lot of things this individual can bring into the schools to keep the schools a lot safer. So, and then they do training yearly and then they'll train with law enforcement. 
then they'll have the active shooter plans and floor plans that will be ready for that law enforcement. Because if I went responding to Colony High School right now, I've only been there to go, you know, buy shopping and gifts when it's a gun show, but I don't know that school. So if there's an active shooter in a in a certain room, I don't know where I'm going. So these plans right. and layouts should be in dispatch to help get whatever officer or many officers right. that, that would be responding. And then the other thing is, you know, Anchorage does a great job on their active shooter uh, response because they're all APD and they trade together. Here in the Valley, we've got Palmer, we've got Wasilla, we've got Chicklu, and you've got, you know, Wasilla. And if we have a shooting at Colony, well, now we have an SRO, but we'd all show up there. But we don't know that area. We don't really practice training together as a group out here. That's right. something that we're looking at doing. Right. Again, and these are all great things that we need to be able to do. Right. And if if you were a teacher at your school, you'd need to know the exact layout and every little hidden room in the school and everything else. So, I mean, this is a commitment. This is not something that somebody just straps a pistol on and says, well, I'm going to be a teacher that carries or I'm going to be a staff member that carries. They've got to. It, it's a commitment. It's a responsibility. They've got to think about it. And again, it's going to be a significant amount of training to be able to get to that point. So as you said, they're not just throwing a gun at somebody and say, go, you go do your thing. Uh, you know, they, 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 this is, this is some serious stuff. And again, it should be as they are the only first, they are the first and only line of defense until actual law enforcement shows up on the scene. Well, and take that to the next step though. So whoever is armed in the school and whoever, you know, does the poly or their background, they, they don't do polygraph, but they do a big background and everything, just like Alaska Police Standard requires. But here's my recommendation, and I don't know how Shelly and them are going to do this, but whoever is armed, really the principal and the superintendent should know who's armed. You don't want anyone else who, who's armed because if you have an active shooter, they for Columbine, they were trying to take out the active shooter or the school resource officer before they started Columbine. And the SRO wasn't a firefight in the parking lot, but he ran out of ammo because these kids or whoever it's going to be, the first person they go to is whoever's armed. They're going to take them out first. So it's a tactical advantage, not letting people know who is armed in that school. But the principal, I would think the assistant principal and maybe, a, you know, the uh, superintendent should know. So it's a tactical advantage. Nobody knows who's armed. So if something happens, they can respond. I think she Donna just succinctly summated the open carry versus concealed carry debate right there. That I mean, I know that there's a big debate in the gun community over that, and there's some people who love that, but she just basically encapsulated all of my thoughts on this. It is a tactical advantage. There have been many times when the person who is very blatantly carrying a firearm is the first person targeted. So you're right. You don't know. It's that element of uncertainty and surprise that uh, mm -hmm. I think is stopping some of these guys. In fact, in U was it Utah or Texas? They're actually posting signs outside the schools now that say select members of this community or this uh, of staff on this campus are armed, and you just don't know which one, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, and 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 I then there's ways to harden the school. I mean, so whoever you have in this position, their job would be, you know, we have different type of uh, foam that, or it's like a. 3M layer that goes on the window, you can't just bust the window to come in, but you can see going out. So you can see the suspect coming, but they can't see in. There's a way to, and then the locking the front doors and nobody can get in. They have to check in. There's a lot of things this person would be in control of and keeping that school safe. And I think that's fantastic. Well, and, and since since you just brought that up, let me ask you this, because a couple people yesterday made a mention of this is, well, we should just harden the schools and make sure that they can't, you know, that, that we should just lock them down and then wait for the police to show up. The police should be. Oh, that's the worst thing. The police yeah. should be one minute away. We should just harden the schools and be sure that the police can respond within a minute or something. And I'm like, 
You can't okay. travel five okay, blocks in a minute. I mean, let alone, you know, five miles. So here's the deal. The law enforcement ferry is not going to get there within the, in one minute. It's just not going to happen. And then here in Alaska, 40 percent of our state does not have law enforcement. We have maybe 1,300 officers in the state of Alaska. And like I said, an active shooter is done within two to five minutes. So looking at the area, is there law enforcement right there when this occurs? Who is going to stop this active shooter who has a gun? It, it, we're not there that quick. We're just not there. And that's reality. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Yeah. We're short 60 troopers in the state troopers right now. We're short 60 officers for the troopers. I mean, nothing on the troopers or anybody. Everyone's just shorthanded. Times have changed. Some people don't want to be police officers. These are tough positions. And, and to, to risk your life to go into these schools and right. take out a shooter. You know, you saw down the lower 48 where they all just kind of locked up and didn't go in. I'm sorry, that's not our training. Our training nationally, as, a, as somebody who's an SRO or law enforcement, if you have the updated training, the first officer goes on scene and we eliminate the shooter. We do not wait. If we have a kid who's bleeding, we don't stop to help them because then they just shot two more people. Right. We exactly. go and we eliminate the shooter immediately. That's right. what our focus is. Yeah. There's if, no delay. If there's one or if there's five of you, you go in. Whatever it is, you're not waiting for backup. You're going in because the faster you get there, the faster the, thre- the threat can be stopped. I guess my point would well, – go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and we're behind even with our training up here. What, what I'm teaching in the lower 48 is because with San Bernardino, we had officers go in. And then the secondary team's coming in to, you know, to clear the place. Well, by the time they're clearing this big building, people are bleeding out. Same thing with Pulse nightclub. People are bleeding out. So what we're doing in lower 48, hopefully we start doing this up here, is when we go in, we stop the shooter. Our secondary team, as they're going in to clear, that's where our medics and are going in behind us. As we're clearing, they're stopping the bleed as we go in to start saving lives. Right, exactly. So we're looking at what's going on and what can we do better. Well, we got to learn. We've got to learn from our mistakes. We've got to learn from past experiences. I guess my point in bringing that up initially was that some people are just believe like, well, we can just harden the schools and turn them into Fort Knox and it'll all be okay. But plenty of shooters have gotten into hardened schools. Uh, I mean, the Newtown, Connecticut shooter got into a hardened school. I mean, there are, you know, it, 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 and all that does is then prevent, in some cases, prevent people from getting out or getting in that need to get out or get in kind of thing. And so you you can't Uh, just count on that. So, um, all right, Donna. Well, the other thing is. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I I was just going to say, you know, with, with all the threats in some of the schools, even here in the Matsu Valley, I've had so many teachers that have taken classes that I know that I'm hearing they're carrying guns to school because they know that there's no quick law enforcement. Now we're putting our teachers in a really bad position because they want to protect themselves and the children knowing there's no law enforcement. Hopefully this will take that liability from them and have somebody who's trained and certified yeah. and, and there to protect them. So they have to put themselves in these positions. Right, because, well, I mean, I'd be honest, if I was a teacher, I would be carrying and just not telling anybody because I've seen the news and I've seen what's happened. It sure would be nice to get the blessing and seal of approval and to get that additional training to make sure that we're doing the job right. I mean, that to me would be, you know, that would be the and, ultimate. And the other issue we have when we get in these remote villages, we have we have village police officers who are unarmed so they're not going to go running into a school with somebody who has a Which, gun. I'm yeah, sh- you have a I'm so- sh- Why? I mean, I'm just shaking my head on that. Why would you have it? Anyway, uh, hold the line, Donna. We're, we're well, com- okay, but, okay. <laughs> okay, we're coming up on the... I know you want to talk about it. Hold the hold the thought. Just hold the thought. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be right back to it. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Uh, Donna Anthony is our guest. Point blank firearms and self-defense. We're talking about school training for people who would carry concealed in schools. We will return with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. All right, Donna Anthony is our guest here uh, on the program. Um, uh, somebody said, can you turn Donna's volume up a little bit? She's up on the verge of busting the top of my meter here, so I can't go too much higher on it. I'll do what I can do here. Um, Charlie says he saw those signs that I was referring to uh, where they say the staff in this facility are armed or whatever in Texas last year. I mean, even if mm-hmm. here's the thing, even if they weren't. It's, it makes people go, what was – that was in Texas. Wasn't it, wasn't it in Texas, Donna, where somebody – it was about five, six months ago, somebody shot, went to one school. They were going to shoot up that school, but then they saw armed security guards or they saw yep. signs that said that, and then they went to another school and said – I mean, John Lott said that when they look at the – when they look at what these crazy people write down, if they have a plan or a manifesto, about 80 percent of the time they specifically mention – that they're trying to find a soft target, that they want to avoid malls or places with guards or security or anything else. They're looking for places that are gun-free zones. Yeah, John Lott is amazing. Um, I met him twice. He's phenomenal. His his stats are right on target, but you don't see that in the media. They don't talk about his stats and the research he does. No, he does. I mean, and he's a good friend of the show. He and I have been friends for years, and and I got to tell you, the guy is – and and it's amazing to watch him, and he gets offended when I say something like this. But like he's like, I I said something to him a year or two ago, something like we were on the air, and I said, "It's amazing, John, you've become more pro gun." And he goes, "I'm not pro gun, I'm pro truth." <laughs> I think is what he said. But he was he was a little irritated because he's like, he doesn't want to be seen as pro gun. He wants to be seen as because he started off being neutral, just being a raw mm-hmm. statistician and looking at the numbers. And he's like, "But the numbers don't lie." They just don't lie. Yeah. You can see it right there. And these gun-free zones are accounting for the biggest. They're the ones that got the biggest targets painted on them. And it's for a reason. It's because these guys want to go in with no resistance. And statistically, if you look at these shooting situations, the minute that they are faced with some kind of resistance, they usually retreat and and off themselves. That, that happens about yeah. – 70% of the time, they'll retreat to some little hole in the wall and they'll shoot themselves to end it because now they've faced resistance. That's all we need. Or shoot some by cop. Yeah. 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 So. And, and, and for this position that Shelly's putting together, I know she's worked on this for about two years trying to do it right because she didn't want to rush anything. But really, it, this position is a liaison to law enforcement to help because they can't be there and providing in, intel uh, building the security, helping them with cameras, whatever this, whatever that school wants to do, and the planning and the response time and training with them. I mean, why would we not do this? And the state's putting funding towards this. So that's a good thing. We're putting money yeah. towards our kids for a change. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I said, we protect our banks. And our, if we're protecting our money and our judges and our this, why wouldn't we be protecting our children? I, I just, it, it, it boggles my mind that people, and then what gets me is the pearl clutching. Right. The pearl clutching Mm -hmm. over this kind of stuff where it's like, oh, we can't do that. I mean, some of these people don't even want SROs. They don't even want police in the schools. They don't want it. No. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. If this is a dangerous situation and, quote unquote, only the police should have guns in some of these people's minds. Why would you be resistant to having a police officer in the school in that case? Now. I've got issues with that from another standpoint of, you know, policing in the schools. And the, there's there's some other issues there. But I am never opposed to them being there because they're armed 
And that's the mm-hmm. some people they just clutch their pearls over this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and hopefully with this position, they are concealed for that tactical advantage, taking the training, and it's just a, a nice extra resource to protect them, the, the staff, because the staff are, are concerned. I hear staff calling all the time that they want to be they want somebody to be armed in the school to protect them because they're carrying guns and they they're they're breaking the law themselves, you right, know, because right. they're so remote. They know law enforcement's not going to get there in time. Yeah, and it, I mean, we pick up here on the other side and get back on the radio. I do want to talk about the VPSOs and the arming and and things like that because, and and again, you're right because at that point you just look at it and you go, well, I guess I'm breaking the law because that's the only thing that makes sense at this point. Can I wait mm-hmm. a day for somebody to show up? Can I wait five hours for somebody to show up, or can I? Can I be able to be there to protect myself, to protect other people? Um, When the law becomes ridiculous like that at some point, you just got to go, okay. Alaska is unique with our infrastructure. And we have to think outside the box on how to keep people safe. Yeah. No, we've got to do that. And and I think this also comes back to, and I think you and I have had this conversation before about personal responsibility. This is one of the reasons why I think – more people should make the decision to go forth armed. It is a decision. It is a responsibility. It is not something that you just blithely do just because you feel like it or, you know, maybe today you'll do it, tomorrow you won't. It's a commitment. But part of that is because, you know, you are responsible for you and you are responsible for those around you. And uh, some people just, you got to take that responsibility on um, and, and be serious about it. Uh, and that's what Donna tries to do. She tries to train people to help with things like that. All right, Donna, we're, gonna, we're, we're about to rejoin. So let's, uh, let's do this okay. and then we can start off with the VPSO and, and anything else you want to uh, uh, talk about here. We're going to continue the Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio, like share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the YouTube and Facebook things here. We Go, like, share, subscribe. Let's do it. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. I guarantee you all my guns are protection guns. I have no murder or assault guns. That's no attack guns here. They're all protection guns. Donna Anthony is our guest, uh, owner and president of Point Blank Firearms and Self-Defense. Um, and she only has protection guns as well. I can tell you that right now. Uh, (laughs) I I love your commercials. (laughs) I I just love that stuff. Uh, Donna, so before we went to break, we started, we were talking about, you know, some of the situations that are unique to Alaska, including like VPSOs. Now there are other rural communities across the United States, but Alaska is, I mean, when you got to fly in because there's no roads to it, it's kind of a whole different thing. And part of the problem is, is that they are, as you said, unarmed. And in some cases, they're basically left to their own devices and left to make a decision of whether they break the law or not to be to arm themselves because they have to wait hours or even potentially days for a response, depending on weather and everything else. Maybe that's something else we should look at in the state. Yeah, I mean, we have to look outside the box and knowing what, you know, the, with weather, I mean, we can either fly in depending on, you know, is it snow machine? Is it four wheeling? 
no matter what, we're, we're still too late because we know an active shooter statistically by FBI is over within two to five minutes. So we're actually responding to after the threat. So when we land or we get there, what are we walking into? What could we have done better to stop an active shooter in that situation? And when you look at that, it is somebody who is trained. Uh, hopefully they're, they're, they've done the training. They've, done, they've worked with law enforcement, the communication, and, and the tactical advantage would be that they are concealed that nobody knows who the, the armed person is in the school. So that's that tactical advantage that something happens. This person's trained to respond and, and how to stop and eliminate the threat immediately. Um, and, and the training is important because you can put somebody in the school and if they don't have the training, they're going to freeze. They don't know what to do. We, they actually have to go through a lot of drills and training to be prepared because they might be by themselves because nobody else is coming to back them up. Right, exactly. And that's the thing, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, even if it's even if it's a even if it's a 10 minute wait, that could be lifetimes and it could cost and it could cost many lives. So having somebody who's 15 doors down the hallway versus somebody who's 15 miles away, that that makes a huge difference. And and again, I don't understand the hesitancy, especially if people are willing to jump through all the hoops go through the specific training for like SRO training um, to, you know, get, do the background check, do everything else. And is willing to do that on a daily basis. I would, cause again, I'm sure that there are teachers already who are carrying concealed that are not saying anything simply because they care about themselves <laughs> and their, and their students. Uh, I would feel much better for them if they had that training and everything else, because then they have a bigger and a better understanding of the overall picture and how to work with law enforcement and not to have some kind of misunderstanding if there is an active shooter in the building. Well, let's look at San Bernardino. So that was one of the fastest response for an active shooter, but we still lost a lot of lives. We had the SWAT team four minutes away. They're doing training and it took only four minutes for them to get there. Look how many lives we still lost within four minutes. And they were already, they were leaving as the SWAT team was arriving. And then we have, you know, you've got the, the Virginia Tech. That guy there, he had magazine after magazine. So magazine ban doesn't work, right? You can have as many magazines as you want. Right. But he was locking the, the doors. Yeah, because yeah. he had a back he had <laughs> so, a backpack full of magazines. And then most of them were not high capacity magazines. He just had two pistols no. and he was just swapping them out as he went and dropping them on the floor. Yeah. I mean, he was just yeah, going, going, going. Yeah. yeah. But he did, he locked so, the I mean, doors too, right? That was the other thing. He locked down the facility. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So I don't know if you ever heard of the safest school in America. It's in Indiana. And, and I'll give you this. So we spend millions of dollars, like let's say in Texas, millions of dollars for football stadium, right? But for the safest school in America, and you can pull it up a video that they did, uh, it cost them 500000 That's to upgrade the videos. If there's an active shooter, it, it, it has cameras. Where it goes right to dispatch. Dispatch can walk the shooter in a certain area. They can have the water spraying on them and doing all kinds of things. But it's controlled by dispatch to law enforcement can get there. But that was only 500000 compared to what we spent all this money into our football fields. We're not putting money in the safety for the kids. Wait so a minute, it's, wait a minute. It's time we really look at this. We'll spend a million dollars on an AstroTurf field in Alaska that you can use for three months a year, but we won't spend $500,000 to – uh, to make a school a smart school where you can control and and segregate and 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 uh, and harass an active shooter uh, and see their every movement, we won't do that. That I mean, that makes total sense right there. I mean, that's you know, we, we got to look at the safety budget. How much are we put in safety for our kids, and then look what we put in for the like you said, football fields. And I love football. I love me some football. But yeah. At the same time. We want to make sure our kids are safe. Well, it's priorities, right? I mean, look, we all love, I mean, I don't love football, but I mean, I don't care about sports, but you know, most people love sports, right? Okay. It's part, they love it. Great. But I mean, don't you love the, your kids? Again, it's the whole, you, you 
got armed guards to protect your money, but you don't have armed guards to protect your kids. That that never made any sense to me. Like, this is more important. One is definitely more important than the other. Why are you cheaping out on this other side over here? And and like I said, with this bill here, money is dedicated for training for whoever the person that is selected for that school and working with the, the, the security plans, the on-site training drills, working with law enforcement. And, and like I said, with, with the VPSO, we had talked about that. The VPSO is a great program, 100%. It was designed to be a first responder, but many VPSOs are unarmed. So you can't even think that they're going to respond into a school unarmed. It's not, it's not going to work. Right. I mean, if all I have is a broom handle, I don't know if I want to charge a guy that's got a rifle. You know what I mean? I'm just saying I'm brave, but I don't know if I'm quite that brave at that point. Uh, and so you've got to be on equal footing. And again, the training and the requirements and everything else, I think this is uh, – I mean, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. All right, we're down to the last three minutes here, Donna. So let's summate um, the training that we're talking about. And it's is is it I didn't read that part of the bill. Is it delineated, or does it just say bringing them up to standards with SROs, or does it say specifically what it is? Well, no, you know, I, I've just got kind of the breakdown. Oh, Chili's been working out for two years and, and had a couple of meetings with safer or safe, faster saves lives and. They want to bring somebody who, I mean, hopefully retired law enforcement, who's already got the mentality, you know, it's a certain type of person that has to be in this position, right? Right. And then you even have some teachers who used to be in the military, right? And they've got that mentality that they would sacrifice and protect our youth. They won't go run and hide, right? And so then they would actually start going through the training, hopefully go through the National School Resource Officers training that we all go through, and then start training with law enforcement. When we have trainings, maybe fly them in to do training and how to how to respond to an active shooter by yourself? How do you make entry into your room by yourself? I mean, how right. do you do these things, right? right? Right. This training has to be given to them. Yeah, no. And then we're looking at mentally, can they, I mean, they'll do a mental background check just to make sure we have somebody who's solid in the, in the schools. Right, exactly. No, entering, trying to pie the corner in a room, if you have never done that and you have no idea what you're, I mean, that is, that is some of the hairiest stuff that you'll ever do for sure uh, as you come in there. And that's definitely training that you would need in a situation like that. Doors and corners, kid. Doors and corners. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Um, all yeah, right. We don't want to rush to our death, but we got to get there safely. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and again, I don't want to hear another story about a, a teacher who has to run and sacrifice themselves to try and tackle a, a, a gunman unarmed to protect their children. I just, I do not want to hear another story about that. I want to hear about them successfully neutralizing the threat. That's what I want to hear about. Because if that happens a couple times, guess what? Maybe schools will not be such inviting targets. If that's what happens, mm-hmm. maybe the schools won't be such inviting targets for this kind of uh, situation. Uh, all right, final thoughts, Donna. Here we're down to ninety seconds. Give me your final thoughts on this bill. You're going to be, uh, you're obviously in support of it. It's go up in front of Labor and Commerce today at one thirty. You're encouraging everybody to go out and testify, I assume. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, you got to think Anchorage is doing a great job with their school resource officers and, and Anchorage Police. Like I said, uh, you've got Wasilla, Palmer, and Chikwun out here. And the troopers, everyone's working really hard. But once you get out of the big cities, the response time is, is horrific. It's not safe. And so we need to actually give these tools and these resources to the teachers, to, to our students, and, and to protect them. I mean, it's pretty common sense. But I, I know when I called in on this a couple weeks ago, we have people from the lower 48 coming into Juno and saying guns are bad, guns shouldn't be in school, but they don't understand our remoteness, our, our delay of getting places and how we have to get there. They don't understand our state. 
I don't think they have the right to come up here and tell us how and what we should do to protect our kids. I would I would agree with it. That's not going to stop them from doing it, but I would agree with that. They don't have the right to come in here and tell us how we should live our lives because they have an irrational fear of an inanimate object. Um, it's, it's about people. It's not about the things. Donna Anthony, as always, it's good to talk with you, my dear. Thank you for coming on board, and uh, we will we'll chat with you again soon. All right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks. Call in, vote, you guys. Thank yep. you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Again, 1.30 this afternoon, Senate Labor and Commerce. I'll post up some phone numbers here in just a bit. Hour two, The Michael Duke Show. I got a phone call on hold. We'll talk to them right after this. Okay, I do have one phone call uh, on hold. Uh, and they've been on hold for quite a while. I don't know if it was just to listen to Donna or if they wanted to make a comment, uh, but we are in the top of the hour. So let me get their name and their phone number uh, or name and not their phone number. I don't need your phone number. Let me get your name and where you're calling from. And then we will uh, see if we can uh, get you queued up for the uh, next segment. So let me get over to the phones here and turn this button on and this button off and see what you got to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff from Homer. Hello. Not Homer, though. Still in Maine. Still in Maine. All right, Jeffrey. Love what you're talking about. Okay, good. Well, hold the line, Jeffrey. I will be right back to you. We will start off hour two with you, okay? It's been a while, so uh, let's uh, let's get okay, caught brother. up here in just a minute. Uh, thank you. Jeff's been on hold for half hour or so, so I appreciate that. Um, okay. Let me go back over here to the chat room. Um <laughs> Yeah, right. Stedman, $600,000. It wasn't Stedman. It was somebody in Anchorage. Stedman wasn't the one that wanted the $600. Is it Mia Costello? I can't remember. Somebody wanted the $600,000 diving board. It was it was an Anchorage legislator, and I don't remember which one it was. It wasn't Stedman in that case. Um, yeah. Uh, if you're in the core area of the Matsu... I'm in Willow, even when I live near Trunk Road, response is super slow. I mean, I live out on KGB, Kanikus Bay Road, right? I mean, it's a 20, 25-minute wait. If I made a phone call today, it would be 20, 25 minutes from right now for them to show up. Minimum. Minimum. Um, yeah. Uh, we can't ever forget about what happened in McCarthy years ago. And again, Donna just reeled off. A whole list just in the last five, six years of what happened in this, uh, you know, uh, uh, in this uh, in this state. It's kind of crazy. Um, uh, does Alaska have university police officers? There are police officers on UAF and I'm assuming on UAA. When I went to UAF, there was a UAF police department. So, yeah, uh, that is that is the case. Um, um, the LEO administration doesn't want to park an LEO in a school, train them and pay them when they'd rather have them on the road. And I could see that. That's why I don't, I mean, I don't understand the resistance to this kind of stuff because this would be a teacher who was already doing their other job. And this just gives them the opportunity to wear that other hat if they need it. And I think that that makes sense. Terry says, uh, my property line is the city borough. 
school bus incident called 911 over 20 minutes for troopers to get their bus full of kids in danger. Uh, again, when when seconds count, the police are only minutes away, right? That's just that, that there it is. Justin said, I lived on the corner of Sheep Creek and Esther Dome. We started a neighborhood watch that had the police chief there and the head of the state troopers. They told us that we needed to exchange cell phone numbers with your neighbors, email, house phone, etc., and take care of whatever's happening because you could be dead by the time we show up, the police show up. I, again, that when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. This is this is what it comes down to. Um, mm, Village safety officer says, Tawny, were originally not intended as law enforcement. They were your all-around first responder for fire, rescue, and medical. Yes, but obviously there is a need for that kind of, uh, for the for the law enforcement response as well. So I think it should be all folded into that. Uh, I, I think that there definitely should be the opportunity to get that law enforcement style training and, um, and uh, you know, be, have them have the ability to be armed. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Oh, I'm just closing some just closing some windows here. I got got windows open all over the place that I do not need right now. Okay. All right. Uh we are a minute and a half out from uh rejoining the radio. And we are going to do, there we go, uh, saying thanks to Donna. Um, and we're all squared away. We're ready to go. Um, honestly, as a retired military person, if I were a teacher, I would want my training to be utilized when I'm physically present instead of waiting for law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. Uh, I I would agree. And put it to good use. And as Donna and as Donna, you know, uh, pontificated on that. I mean, I I would guess that there is already uh, that there are already people who are working in the schools who are probably already armed, right? Because again, the whole point of concealed carry is that it is concealed, right? Nobody knows about it. I mean, that's the whole point of, I mean, how would you know, unless you've got metal detectors going into a school, how would you know if somebody is carrying concealed or not? Um, and so I imagine that there are probably, you know, VPSOs and teachers and other people in different walks of life who are facing these hard choices and deciding that better to break the law, better to be, what was the old axiom? Better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. That's kind of that's kind of what you know what you're looking at here, and you're forcing people to make these decisions. Like, I want to be able to defend myself um, in those kind of situations, and that's often why I've said, you know, if you're around me, you're in a gun-free zone. Unless I have to go through a metal detector, you can pretty much guarantee that you're in a you're not in a gun-free zone because uh, I'm going to carry regardless of what the sign in the wall says. Because I would rather have to explain myself to a judge and jury. And walk away. I mean, this is the whole Greenville Mall shooting thing in a in a nutshell, right? He was not supposed to have a gun in there. He was not, you know, they'd posted signs, they'd done everything else. And yet when it was all said and done, they thanked him for what he did. All right, here we go. 
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Hour two of the big radio show for today. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. Firearms Friday, of course, our one day a week to chat about uh, firearms and Second Amendment stuff. Uh, phone lines are open for gun Q&A all day. And in fact, uh, our friend Greg, uh, uh, excuse me, our friend Jeff from Homer. He's my other friend, Greg. Uh, my friend Jeff from Homer uh, is, uh, is has been on the line for a while waiting for this. He's actually not at Homer. He's still in Maine, but he wanted to share some thoughts with us today. So let's go over there right now. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Morning, Mike. I'm fine. Hope you guys are all fine there in Alaska. Oh, yeah. We I do. just want to talk a little bit about a good, clean gun. And, you know, you talked about the shoulder harness, and that is one of the best places to put it. Yep. I, I realized years ago when I testified here nine years ago, I believe, for constitutional carry, which meant the jacket bill. You could wear a jacket over a guns right and still not need a weapons permit so i told him i said look when i first started guiding i had 357 on my hip there was always bushes in it from the bear base uh sometimes we're hunting uh during the hunt you have bushes in it there you pull it out and you got bushes in your gun so once i found that i could put it in there in the safe place where nobody could see it or get it it was a clean gun, all right? And now I can fire that gun at any time. It was as clean when I pulled it out as when I put it in there. And I kept it that way. It kept it out right. of the water. It kept it away from people. And it kept everybody's eyes off it, which is that tactical advantage. But for me as a guide, it made it a heck of a lot better. And I, I realized then, and I told them then, that it, that's the deal. That's where it belongs. And uh, then I told them, I changed their mind, actually, so we got the bill in. I said, look, you talked about an inanimate object, right? I said, I can leave my house, right? take all my guns, go downstairs, point them at the stove, load them, cock the hammers, take the safeties off, and put a piece of wood there by it. When I get back, the wood won't get up and burn in the stove and heat my house, and the guns won't shoot anything. This is a people problem, right? right? Exactly. Not a gun problem. That's been the perfect example so, for years. I'll lay that so thing that on the table. Yeah. In the times that I used my guns and told them about everything that I'd done in my life with them, that they were a not a weapon to me. They were a tool. They were a tool for my guide service and my hunting service. 
and to shoot animals to take and eat. And a lot right. of these people that were there didn't understand that, what a gun was for. So I think with training, and you you guys just, Donna, I love her already, don't even know her, but hiding in the schools, I've crabbed about it for years. You know, we can make smaller rooms that the kids could get into, places to hide that are safe, nobody can get into. There's a lot of things that could be done. Buses could be in places where you can't see the kids getting off the buses. I delivered my niece, I think, eight or nine years ago in Georgia. She was 16. I'd take her to school. Her parents were busy. My brother, sister-in-law. I pulled up. There's two guys, <clears throat> big guys, nines on each side, right, in harnesses, shoulder harnesses. And if you stopped and I saw a lady texting and they were not tapped on the window, move along. <laughs> there are no shootings there at schools. <laughs> and uh, like you said, it's a hardened school just for those guys there. Right. So I think all the points that you've made today and all the points that she made today are the best there is. I wish the whole nation could hear it. I really do. All right, Jeff. Well, I really appreciate it, my friend. I hope you're making your way back to Homer here shortly, or what's the skinny? Well, we're getting there. We're getting stuff sold off. We've got one house left and a few things. And uh, I come back, I'm going to build a place up there in home somewhere in the valley. <laughs> Way back in the valley. If you're going to shoot at me, you better come in and we'll know you're coming. <laughs> so, All right. Well, we've had some bad stuff happen here. I'm telling you, it's getting dangerous down here in the lower 48, right here in Maine, right in northern Maine. Well, people being shot, uh, you know, but when you got a governor that's bringing in migrants and putting them in picking out uh, veterans and putting them in those homes. It's a crazy place. And uh, well, we, we see people walking, <laughs> we see people driving that shouldn't be. We look forward to, uh, we look forward to you making anyway. it, making it back there to God's country. So thank you, Jeff. It's good to talk with you, my friend. Appreciate you calling in. Yes. Great to hear your voice and hello to everybody in Alaska. I salute you all. Love you all up there. I love the lifestyle. I was born there. I want to die there. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you calling in, my friends. Good to hear from you. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling in. Um, all right. Uh, phone lines are open. 907-433-3150. If you would like to uh, dial in this morning for a little gun Q&A or talk about anything that you want to talk about, that is the uh, that is the place to go. If you want to testify today on that uh, school bill, SB 173, this is the arming the teachers or arming the staff that wants to be armed uh, with the proper training and everything else. It's going to be in front of Labor and Commerce today, Senate Labor and Commerce at 1.30. And here's the phone number, 844-586-9085. Again, 844-586-9085. 9085. I'm just typing it in the chat room. So that's the number to call in today at 1.30. Be on the line uh, and be brief. You don't have to take the full two minutes. Just be brief and uh, and get it done. Well, um, Alec Baldwin, uh, things are not looking great for Alec. He hasn't even made it into the court himself yet. They're doing the court case right now for Hannah Gutierrez, or Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Reed Gutierrez, or Gutierrez Reed, I guess. Um, and she is currently on trial and I'll be honest with you. I have watched more court TV in the last two weeks. And (laughs) I mean, I, 
more than I should have. But I find it fascinating to watch what happened on the set of this movie and all the things that were going on. And um, there's just been some shocking things that have come out about what was going on on that set. Um, and I'm sure Willie will have some more information about it and some more news and stories. But here's the big thing. And I do have one line on hold. I'll get to you here in just a second. Um, but here's one of the things that have come out during the Hannah Gutierrez portion of this, uh, of, of this case, the FBI had their expert. Remember Alec Baldwin continued to go on and on and on about how the gun just went off. The gun just went off. He didn't do anything. The gun just went off, which ultimately would have led to, um, more blame being played on a uh, placed on Hannah Gutierrez as the armorer because she's supposed to upkeep the firearms and everything else. Well, <clears throat> on FBI on Monday, an FBI expert uh, told the court in Santa Fe that the revolver used by Baldwin on set was fully functional. Firearms expert Lucian Hag uh, gave ev- uh, gave evidence uh, and talked about the safety features. Uh, and said that the gun was fully functional with all the features intact when it arrived at the FBI testing laboratory uh, for testing. The expert said he had to strike the fully cocked gun with a mallet and break it in order for it to fire without depressing the trigger. In the evidence, uh, he provided a lengthy demonstration of the workings of the single-action Colt revolver, Uh, like the gun held by Baldwin, and the safety features that prevent a fully cocked hammer from striking and firing ammunition unless the trigger is depressed. And he said there was no evidence that the gun was broken or modified before it was tested by the FBI, (laughs) which is going to, this is, this is a problem for Baldwin. I'll just, I'll be honest with you. This is a problem. This does not fit his narrative. Uh, and again, it does not allow him to shuffle a lot of that blame over to Gutierrez. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I think, well, I don't, I hate to predict right now, but Gutierrez is kind of become the scapegoat in a lot of these things. Uh, she's a hot mess. Don't get me wrong. And she's got some culpability for sure. Uh, but this whole production, um, is just a horror story. This whole production is just such a mess. So uh, anyway, we'll we'll get more on that as we go through. Uh, I do want to get to the phone, so I got a couple lines on hold. So let's go over there real quick and see what you guys have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Brian calling from a secret location deep in the heart of the Wasilla Valley. Hello, my friend. What's going on, Brian? Oh man, I'm actually happy to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of light. Yeah, I know it's kind of crazy, isn't it? So, I don't want to be the guy that throws too much shade on this argument for having armed teachers, but thinking back to that uh, that pathetic little weasel at Parkland, how many times did he have in encounters with law enforcement, both state and federal? Plus, I'm guessing that he had an awful lot of encounters internally with the school staff, the teachers. And I think that he would probably by then have figured out who the armed teachers are just because of the the number of interactions, which most, you know, most students don't have that many interactions with teachers in uh, 
especially in disciplinary uh, matters. But I'm thinking right. just based on the number of encounters that he'd had, he could probably figure out who the armed teachers were. And so, um, you know, I don't know how you prevent that, but that's just a, kind of an observation. I think it's worth having a discussion about. No, I mean, I think you're right. And what Brian's talking about is that the shooter in Parkland had had multiple interactions with local law enforcement. He'd had almost a dozen interactions with federal law enforcement uh, before he went on the shooting rampage. And you're right. He had a lot of problems at the school. Um, And so you're right. He probably would have known by that point who the teachers were that maybe that were armed. Maybe he did would know or wouldn't know. But I guess I'd look at it this way, Brian. I would still if I was in that school and still a teacher and maybe he even knew that I was armed, I would still rather have the ability to defend myself and my students than not. I mean, to me, that regardless of whether he would know or not, I would still rather have the ability to defend myself than not. Would, wouldn't you? Oh, I, I, I would agree. But on the other hand, it's also sort of like painting a uh... – Putting a giant target on his back if you knew you had this kid, you know, it was going to kind of be laying in wait sure. you would be his uh, first target. Sure. No, I mean, again, it's a possibility. No. There's I'm no, there's no was, perfect, was... there's no perfect solution to that for sure. Oh, com- completely, completely agree with that. I just think that it's there's going to be an anxiety level that that first. <laughs> The first target going to be, you know, potential first target going yeah. to be undergoing uh, every time they saw that student. Yeah. No, I agree, my um, friend. I mean, it's... I'm not saying that it, we shouldn't we shouldn't arm teachers, but I'm just saying there's a there's an aspect to that because every sure. got one or two bad eggs and it makes the teachers just fear seeing this kid. So yeah, no, anyway. you're true. I mean, it's a thought I hadn't considered in that direction. Uh, so, all right, my friend. Well, thank you for calling in and sharing your thoughts this morning. Well, I've... I appreciate well, it. Well, sir, I wish you a happy I wish you a happy Friday and to all uh, all the six o'clockers. Stay <laughs> ungovernable. There you go. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you calling in. Um I uh, we got time. Let me see who's on this line here before you. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. It's Fred. How you been? Oh, good, Fred. Hold the line, my friend. You're gonna be I'm gonna be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. I'm gonna put you back on hold because I want to take a minute with you and I'm out of time. We gotta go. Hour two continues. Willie Waffle coming up at the end of the hour. Man, uh this this has been the fastest two hours in a long time. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Fred from Rhode Island. I'm next. Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Um, just realized that my my uh, stream broke at some point here this morning. Uh, the stream. I don't know what's going on with it. The audio only stream. So I need to see what's going on here. Fix it. Here we go. Uh, apparently the server stopped, so let's uh, restart the server, shall we? Boom. Okay, stream restarted. All right, got it. Got it. I took care of it. See, I am my own thing here. 
Um, uh, let's see. The state should introduce a bill to allow. Um, the state should introduce a bill to allow local militias to form and train as they see fit, overriding any federal attempts to ban both. I, the state, I, I don't think you have. There's no restrictions. I mean, what is a militia? It's a group of people who've come together for a common cause um, and to train as they see fit. I don't see anybody stopping that. Do you? Um, um, I mean, what's <laughs> I don't know. I just I had to laugh because sometimes I know that there's been several cases over the years where they're like, well, they're a militia. Well, they're a group of guys that get together like once a month to go shooting. Um, and that's about it. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the bill, we, we, we have those freedoms as well at this point, in my opinion. Um, uh, if Richard says to what Brian called in about, Richard says, if he could figure out teachers were armed, he may also rethink his plan because the odds of getting turned into a wife ball went up 90%. Uh, in, I don't, it turned into... I don't know what wife ball is or if that was just an autocorrect problem. But basically, getting chewed up went up 90%. Um, we the people are the militia. Yeah, exactly. Peaceably assemble. We're peaceably assembled. We're just just practicing firearms. Um, Teresa said, the screen froze. I had to reboot, but it went back to Donna's interview. Well, hopefully you can jump forward. Hopefully you can jump forward. Oh, turned into a wiffle ball. Thank you, uh, Brian. I did not see this. This thus my lack of uh, <laughs> thus thus my lack of sports. Uh, thing. I know what a wiffle ball is, but I would never. I never thought about a wiffle ball. Um. Okay. Shelly Hughes is having a coffee chat tomorrow at 9 a.m. MTA conference room by Sportsman's and Fred Meyer Gas Station. There's a conference room there at the MTA office. So she's having a, um, uh, and they're they're having it at 9 a.m. The feds have introduced anti-training and anti-militia legislation. Oh, that's right. There was a piece of legislation that mentioned something like that about gathering and training. Um, I remember reading it, and we actually talked about it here on the show a little bit. I'll have to go back and look at that again. Um, but I don't think it's I don't think that's going anywhere. I think it was introduced. I'm trying to remember. I don't have any anxiety over it, so I don't think it really had a chance of if I'm gauging the efficacy of the of the thing, whether about whether or not I have um, anxiety over it, I don't think that it had a passive a chance of actually going anywhere. That was part of the problem. Um, how about pickleball? Uh, pickleball? I've never played pickleball. That's like handball, but with a. I know it's like the greatest craze ever these days, right? Or does it have a racket? Is there a pickleball racket? I don't even know. I just I, I don't care. Um, uh, Kyle uh, said he brought that up last week. I'm assuming talking about the anti-training, anti-militia legislation. We talked about it here a while ago because I remember reading the article and then reading, um, anyway, I remember reading components of it. So we'll get back to it. All right. Uh, we're going to jump back into it here. We're, we're 25 seconds out. Fred is on the line. I haven't even gotten 
to my hackathon, this thing that I wanted to talk about. And we are rapidly running out of daylight, but that's okay. Fastest two hours in radio just does not get any faster. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. You must like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Let's get to it. Here we go. Right now. What the hell is an assault weapon? What isn't? If I assault you with a penguin, doesn't that make it an assault weapon? Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. Dang, I didn't mean to play the Penguin one again, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Get, get enough of that going on through here. Uh, Firearms Friday here on The Michael Dukes Show. We're ready to uh, continue on our discussions. Fred is all the way down in Rhode Island. And uh, he joins us this morning to give us his thoughts on all the stuff we've been talking about. Good morning, Fred. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Mike. You know, this whole thing with the school, you know, the school situation, the school shootings and the SROs and everything. Yeah, it's probably a good idea in Alaska because, you know, like I say, Alaska is such a remote area. You know, law enforcement can't be everywhere and they certainly can't be anywhere within a couple of minutes. Unless they just happen to be, luckily, just standing in the neighborhood, which probably never happens. Of that, especially in that part of the world. However, the point I want to make is, you know, there's more to, there's a lot more to this whole situation, like hardening schools and SROs in the schools. And this, a lot could be, a lot of the responsibility and a lot of the, uh, uh, the tool that could be used is the students themselves. The students know who the student body is. I mean, they pretty much all, you know, they all know each other. Or if they, you know, if they don't know each other, at least they catch wind of what's going on you know, in the halls and, you know, in the recess and this and that and the other thing. So when, you know, a bad apple shows up that claims to be doing something stupid within the school, they have the, they, they have the knowledge that it's there. And if they utilize that, if, they, if the students themselves take an active, an active part in preventing these things from happening by letting others know, letting law enforcement know, let the teachers know, let the staff know, let, let their parents know, Speak up, do something, prevent it from happening in the first place. And it's a lot easier to make a mistake and, you know, have go after someone inadvertently, you know, who wasn't really, you know, going to do anything nefarious. It's a lot easier to say, I'm sorry, than to have to go with, our prayers go with you. I mean, if you get to that point in time, you know, the whole game is lost, you know. But right, the student right. body, people in the student body should speak up, you know, as, as opposed to snitches get stitches and shouldn't be, tattletailing on people. This isn't tattletailing. You're saving lives. You're preventing a, a criminal act from taking place. And that probably is more important than anything, as, as opposed to preventing it from happening and dealing with the facts after, after the fact. First of all, I've got to laugh at the fact that Fred just said snitches get stitches, which uh, was actually running through my mind when you started talking about that, because I think that's still a mentality for a lot of kids. But you're right. I mean, if you know, it's not necessarily I mean, you've got to say something. If you if you if you see a kid who's acting out or they're saying crazy things like that, I would hope that somebody would have the wherewithal, the fortitude to stand up and say, hey, I'm a little concerned that this guy might be cray cray. Uh, he's crazy. We need to do something about it. Um, uh, and, and you would hope that that would happen. And it has happened. There's been many times uh, across the country where through a student reporting or something like that, you've seen this go on. I mean, even here in Anchorage, they got uh, 
one of the kids, it was only a pistol, it was a pellet gun, I think. It was It was not a real pistol, but he got reported by another student. So I think they are saying something, um, but having the resource officers or having an armed teacher or having a hardened school, I think they're all, it's not like you can do one thing. There's not one thing that's the magic bullet to get to get it all done. It's got to be a comprehensive, holistic kind of plan for all those things. Absolutely. Well, you know, the, you know, the media plays a, a significant role in this, too, because, you know, when these actions take place and someone does speak up and the person is apprehended and prevented from doing, you know, some, some dastardly deed, you know, you know, whatever, be school shooting or something else, you know, yet the media doesn't pick up on that. They don't, make a, they don't make a big deal about it. They don't report it. It's just, you know, it's just not news as opposed to when there is a mass shooting. And then all of a sudden it's like the end of the world and, you know, you hear about it day after day after day and just drum it into people's heads how terrible the Second Amendment is and how bad, you know, guns are. And, you know, the whole, they really play it up. They kind of, you know, they, they, you know, they, uh, they, they taint the waters, let's put it that way. Right. And yet it's wrong that they do that. If they, gave an, if, if they played up the fact that something was prevented from happening as opposed to after the fact when it does happen, I think a lot more people would be willing to, you know, catch on to that and utilize it and prevent these things from happening, and, and you know, to begin with. Right. I think that's that's probably the greatest resource that we have going. Yeah, right and in fact, Donna just uh, Donna Anthony, who was just our guest in the last hour, she just dropped me a link and said, "This is how you can help um, with um, with uh, uh, this is how students, parents, and teachers can get involved." Uh, it's a website called SchoolHelpline.com. And they are the national leader for anonymous reporting systems for schools. So if you have a problem in your school, and again, so that snitches don't get stitches, you can report it and it would be anonymous and the school would still be notified about what's going on. And hopefully they would be notifying the administrators and potentially law enforcement and everything else. So it's schoolhelpline.com. Uh, break the silence, prevent the event. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good opportunity, like you said. Uh, if you see something, say something kind of thing, uh, which it, it, it's, you know, it, only only we can prevent that kind of stuff. Again, all this stuff just reminds me again of why I'm so glad that I homeschooled Absolutely. all my you kids. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're, you're spot on right there. I want to run something by you real quick before you go head over to Willie. Okay. Um, you know, this whole thing, I was kind of looking through some stuff not too long ago, and I ran across a couple of DVDs we had laying around. Northern Exposure. I remember that one? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, Northern Exposure. That was, uh, I mean, that was it was a pretty funny show. I remember Northern Exposure. How about that? Run it by Willie. If it'd be, it's a, a great idea to bring Northern Exposure back in the a more 20, 2024 setting in Alaska, as opposed to the old show. The old show was great. Oh, it really man. was. Why do it'd be fantastic to see them do the twenty twenty four version? Oh, come on, Fred. Why do we have to retread another? I mean, why do we have to reboot? Can't we do something new? I mean, come on. I, I understand what you're saying, but man, I sure. Well, well I, people remember, I think people, a lot of people, especially, you know, I remember Northern Exposure. It was a great show. It's too bad it ended. You know, it ran its course and ran out of steam. But if they brought a more, more modern version back, tackling the, the, more, the more recent issues of the day, I think that uh, it'd be very interesting. Well, well, I'll we'll see if we can get Willie. Uh, maybe I'll. Alaska is such a mystical place to begin with, you know. <laughs> well, Alaska, <laughs> it's a magical place, man. It is a magical place. Maybe we should do 
a Hogwarts school for magic in Alaska, and that's that could be a whole new kind of thing over here or something. I don't know. We do something. <laughs> All right, Fred. Well, thank you so much, my friend, for calling in. It's always good to hear from you. You take care now. All right. Uh, Fred calling in from Rhode Island uh, there on the program. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. Uh, I'm going to play this, and I want you guys to get your – I guess we'll have to save this for next Friday because uh, I really want to get down into this. Uh, but I've want been wanting to play this. This is Ken Hackathorn, who, again, is a gunsight trainer. Uh, he's a, a, a special forces uh, a, a firearms instructor, former military, teaches with the FBI. This guy is the guy who – I mean, he's been there, done that, like I said, got the T-shirt. And he was on the Wilson Combat Channel on YouTube the other day, and he made this commentary, which has kind of gone semi-viral. And I watched it the first time, and I was like, oh. And then Coleon Noir covered it, and then somebody else covered it. And I'm just like, we got to talk about this. So I want you to think about this over the next week. I'm going to play this clip, and then uh, you could tell me what your thoughts are uh, with Ken Hackathorn. Here's what he had to say. Mounting a light on a pistol. What is your view of the pluses and minuses of a light on a handgun? What I tell people is, now everybody wants to be a cool kid and have all these gadgets in their gun. Okay, you carry a gun, and especially if you're in the private sector, you're not a soldier, you're not you know, in law enforcement. When, if you carry a gun with a light on it, when's the last time you needed that? And most people, if they're honest, will tell you, well, not really. I had a guy tell me, oh, yeah, but if I have to change a tire, I go, are you an idiot? <laughs> but you know that's happened. Oh, I listen, I've seen, I remember seeing a picture in a, a newspaper of, it was an accident scene. Individual was being, you know, treated by the, the, the medics, the EMT guys that showed up. And here's a police officer with his pistol, light on, doing this so they can see what they're doing. And I looked at, I remember I cut out the paper. I don't know where it's at, but I thought, okay, this is what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. The bottom line is I think lights in today's world are extremely overrated. Um, okay. Um, I, I'm just going to say, I know he's the expert. I know he's the genius. But I got to disagree. And next week we'll break it down as to why I think he's wrong. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio, Willie Waffle up next. Don't go anywhere. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Man, I, I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to, I've got so many cuts. I spent like an hour this week pulling different various cuts. The Tommy Chong interview, the Kurt Russell interview on The View. Oh, man. I spent some time. Is this, is this where you say, okay, Boomer? Kind of. I kind of felt like, um, oh, maybe I'll give you guys a preview. Because this is where he kind of got me. Um, because... Part of, and this is a there's a this is a long segment. This is like a six or seven minute segment where they're going back and forth talking about this. And I've just clipped out kind of the summation. And that one minute piece was like the one that was going around on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, but let me let me get to you where the the part that really got to me. 
album was this part right here. Um, uh, that that his commentary about every man, the every man, average people, right? The cool kids. Okay, you carry a gun, and especially if you're in the private sector, you're not a soldier, you're not, um, you know, in law enforcement. When, if you carry a gun with a light on it, when's the last time you needed that? Okay, so first of all, okay, because I'm not in military and I'm not in law enforcement, I just felt like, you know, Hackathorn's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. I respect the guy. But at some point, I'm just like, well, wait, are you looking down on me because I'm not in military and law enforcement? Is that what you're just saying? Or because I'm not there, I don't have to use the gun on a daily basis? When was the last time I had to use my light? Uh, you know, in that regard. Uh, so th that was a little troubling to me. But what gets me is that he goes on then later, of course, to point out the most ridiculous scenario, which is the fact that he's like, oh, well, if, you know, you know, military law enforcement. Then he uses the example of the guy who is is helping the paramedics. It was an accident scene. Individual was being, you know, treated by the, the, the medics, the EMT guys that showed up. And here's a police officer with his pistol, light on, doing this so they can see what they're doing. And I looked at I remember I cut out the paper. I don't know where it's at, but I thought, okay, this is what you're not supposed to do. Okay, so first of all, I would have fired that guy. Okay, I mean, come on. Now, yes, you should have a secondary flashlight. You should have a handheld flashlight. But how many of you do? How many of you carry a carry a handheld flashlight on your person every day? Show of hands. 43 of you in the chat right now. If you carry a flashlight with you, type 1 in the chat right now. If you carry a flashlight with you all day, every day, type 1 in the chat right now. If you don't, well, that's okay, right? If you carry a standalone flashlight on your person every day, then good for you. We are, we are amongst the few. Most people don't. Most people are shocked when I bring out a flashlight. They're like, where'd that come from? Well, it's right here. I just I keep it with me all the time. Um, but I think poo-pooing the idea of having a, a light on your firearm. I mean, two is one and one is none, right? Um, um what the hell here is the uh I don't want to do that right now. Oh, freaking stuff has updates on top of updates on top of updates. Um I, you know, I would rather have the option of having a second, of having a second flashlight. And, and, a, and a flashlight on my weapon is, in my mind, good for many reasons. And we'll get into this next week. I don't want to get into the full thing, but I mean, most people, does a phone light count, says Elena? No, I'm sorry, it doesn't. And affixed to your key ring. Uh, can you operate it one-handed? Can you operate it? I mean, I you know, I'm not talking about a little teeny tiny light, micro light that you got to use two hands to screw in and 
do everything else. I'm not talking about your phone light. I'm talking about a real flashlight, right? A real flashlight that, you know, I mean, do you not? It could be something like a Streamlight or a Surefire this small or even one that fits in a holster on your on your belt. I've got them both ways. I carry three flashlights if you count the one on my firearm. Why? Because it's dark here. I disagree, says Rick. The light of my phone is very intense. How fast can you deploy it? How fast? How fast? Okay. When was the last time? This is it. Jim just nails it exactly. When was the last time you used your pistol light? Well, when was the last time you used your pistol? God, you're right. 100%. 100% on that. Thank you, Jim. Making my point. All right, we got to go. Willie's uh, up next, The Michael Duke Show. Okay, well, this is the weekend. Well, not quite yet, but this is the best start of the weekend is right here. Let's get into it. Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com, the weekend movie review. Hello, my friend. You ready to do this thing or what? Oh, I'm 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 ready. And and let's let's be honest with ourselves. If you're not a very hardworking or conscientious worker, your weekend has begun at this point. True. I mean, that is true. Officially, my yeah. weekend began at 6 a.m. this morning because this show is really not work. So, all right. Well, let's um, now let's uh, let's go. Uh, let's start with the uh, let's start with the news, uh, and we can start with Rust because we have talked okay. about this a little bit during the show today. But I watched way too much court TV this week um, as I watched the. Uh, as I watched some of the discovery and some of the things that were going on with this case and oh my God, <clears throat> Alec Baldwin is going to yeah. have some real problems here. Let me just put it that way. He's got some real problems, not just for himself as an actor, but as the producer, this company, man, did they do some, was there some shoddy stuff going on? Yeah. And, and that's where they're really going after him is as the producer. So, you know, Alec Baldwin, uh, they did set a court date. Uh, so it, he, he will go to court on his involuntary manslaughter charges in Santa Fe in July, on July 9th. Now, this is kind of on the heels of what you've been watching this week, the the uh, the manslaughter case for the armorer. And, and a lot of the allegations that are being thrown around about how unprepared she may have been, how sloppy things were on the set. And, and I think you're referring to exactly what I was thinking about, a videotape that was played today in court of Alec Baldwin rushing the setup, yeah. telling everybody, we got to go, we got to go. You don't need to be safe. I mean, he didn't technically say you don't need to be safe, but he was basically rushing things. Oh, yeah. And, and th this, this feeds into that allegation that as a producer, as somebody who is in charge, he was not taking the proper precautions to avoid what ended up being a horrible, horrible Tragedy. Well, and I saw the uh, I saw the testimony from one of the key, one of the key grips, and it was some of the most powerful testimony I've ever watched in my life. Um, yeah. And I got to just say, the guy he went to David Halls, the guy who's cut the plea deal now, right? The 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 associate producer, um, mm -hmm. and he went to Halls with 
his concerns about the safety on the set. Um, and Hall's basically just walked away from him. Uh, he filed grievances with yeah. the unions ahead of this time. He did all this other kind of stuff. I didn't realize that Gutierrez was like the third or fourth armorer that they'd offered the job to, and she finally, she took it because nobody else would take it because of the safety concerns on the set. <laughs> this place was a hot yeah. freaking mess. And, it um, really was. It really was crazy. And then we got into the prop house, and, and I was looking at all the – I mean, I just don't even understand how any of these people are actually working in Hollywood. It's it's just astonishing. But the long and the short of it is the buck stops at the movie producer's plate, the producer and the director. And uh, and Baldwin was in charge. Everyone knew it. He was large and in charge. It was his job. And um, I think there he's I think this could really come back to bite him. Yeah, I I think it could hurt him. I mean, you know, I I think I think Gutierrez's case um, that the police did not properly investigate, did not really obtain the right evidence uh, that is going on a lot of circumstantial evidence. I think that's going to probably help her a little bit. But I'm with you. The the general sense that this entire set was just out of control. That you you had people doing irresponsible things. You had people who were not following the safety precautions that are in place for something like this. Uh, you know, it's 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 horrible. I mean, you know, you hate to say it, but this is the formula for tragedy, right. and and you saw it play out. Unfortunately, yeah. um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens in court. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a rough one. Yeah. I mean, Alec Baldwin actually wanted to go to court earlier. Uh, he was pushing for for an earlier date, and it was actually. Uh, the prosecutors that needed to buy some time because they had other things on the docket. So I think he wants to just get in there and fight. Um, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. But it's been it's been educational. Let me just say that I'm not usually one to watch like court TV, but a couple times over the last ten days, I found myself sitting there eating my supper, watching court TV and watching the the testimony and what because I'm fascinated about how an armor works and what's going on in the movies, yeah, and the behind the scenes stuff. And you could just see that this was a train wreck. This was an accident waiting to happen. Um, and mm. it's it should be it'll be interesting. All right, um, Kim Kardashian. She is not going <laughs> to. She's not going to be a lawyer quite yet. She's she's put her she's put her her education on hold. And I don't want to. Yeah, I do want to make fun of her. So yeah, so Kim Kardashian. The, so a few years ago, she announced that she was going to study to become a lawyer. That her father, if if you are not familiar, her father is an extremely famous lawyer. One of the lawyers who helped O.J. Simpson get off the murder charges when he was charged with killing his wife, Nicole Brown Simpson. Uh, so, you know, she said she wanted to kind of follow in dad's footsteps. Um, she knows the, the power of the law and the important role that it plays. And she's been involved in trying to help get some people out of jail uh, because of the, the cases that were brought against them and some possible bias. And, you know, so she seemed to be really into this. However, sources around her are saying things aren't going that well. That, you know, she's supposed to be preparing for the bar exam, but, uh, you know, she's maybe not doing that great. And she's got a lot going on in her life. So she's got to kind of pump the brakes. She's got to take a little pause, you know, because she's got businesses. She's got a family of, of like four kids she's got to take care of. And, uh, you know, she's going to like now maybe aim for next year 
instead of trying to make it all happen this year. <laughs> and she's got Kanye to deal with. I mean, what you know? Yeah. Well, and I gotta say that's got to be a big part of it. Yeah. You know what? If he if he wasn't crazy and he was a decent husband and a decent father, he probably would take those kids off of her hands to help her out. Yeah. But I wouldn't trust my kids with him. I wouldn't trust a dog. I wouldn't trust anything with him. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's it. The whole thing is kind of crazy, but you know, it is what it is. Um, all right. Uh, how about uh, Roadhouse? Because I'm, I think everybody's okay. a little bit interested in Roadhouse. Tell me what's going on here. Oh, I'm totally interested because I, I, I feel it's a travesty. I feel it's a horrible idea, and uh, and there are others who are now starting to agree. So, uh, you know, Amazon is making Roadhouse, a a remake of Roadhouse starring Jake Gyllenhaal. However, there is now controversy. The The man who wrote the original Roadhouse movie is suing to stop the release of the film, which is going to be <laughs> excuse me, on Amazon Prime in just a couple weeks. And uh, he's, he's suing them for copyright infringement. He says that, th- that MGM and Amazon, who are now the, the, the studio behind the movie, ignored his rights to reclaim his rights to the original screenplay and intentionally ignored him because they wanted to move forward with the movie and get it done before anybody could stop them. Right. So he, he, he's claiming that he filed his petition with the Copyright Office in 2021. Uh, he requested that all of his rights be returned to him before they expired in November of 2023. So basically, you know, by claiming them, that that would stop them from making the movie and releasing it, right? You know, anytime after November 2023, and uh, you know, now, I mean, to make it even worse, he's saying, "Well, they rushed the process; that they they had the strike going on, so they couldn't finish it, and then they rolled out some artificial intelligence to do actors' voices. Oh, that's a no, no!" And he claims the movie really wasn't done on time; they were still working on it in January 2024 an even bigger violation of his rights. Oof. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. This has been a controversial film. I mean, A, you have fans like me who think it's, it's, it's a horrible idea. B, you've got this guy with his, his rights claims. And, and C, you have the director, Deg Lyman, who's pretty much like protesting the entire film after directing it because he feels MGM lied to him and said he was going to get a theatrical release, and it's going straight to Amazon. Right. He was like, this was supposed to go to theaters. What are you doing to me? Because that that affects how he's paid, right? I'm sure he gets some points on yep. this. And he's like, wait a minute. This is not what I was told. You just stole some money out of my pocket, you so-and-sos. Yeah. 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 Well, I got to tell you, like you said, this was a movie that was not looking for a remake that they decided to make. a. Re- I mean, you know, this is, again, same some of that same problems. Just write new stuff. End of story. Yeah. Full stop. Would have been nice. Would have been, been nice. Would have been nice. All right. Well, well we, we got to go. Huh? Go ahead. Okay. I'll give you one quick story because okay. I know you and I are both fans of the Food Network. Yep. They announced yesterday, late in the day, that they're going to have a new Food Network show, a 24-hour straight cooking competition, Last Chef Standing, 24 <laughs> challenges oh, no. in 24 hours by 24 chefs oh. who will be left standing 
this sounds awesome to me. I, I'm I sorry. I'm there. <laughs> They're gonna. We're not gonna have to watch it in 24 hours, right? Will they break it up into one hour segments for us? No, they'll, yeah. they'll break it. They'll break it up for us, and it's gonna come out in a few weeks. I think. I want to say it's sometime in March. So get ready. That sounds like a lot of fun. April, quite actually. That April I, yeah, 14th. That sounds like a lot of fun. I, I could do that. Yep. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Okay. Let's move over to the movies. I want to end up with Dune. So wherever you want to go, we got about five minutes here. Okay. Uh, I'll start with Shogun, the big Hulu miniseries, the one that everybody's ranting and raving about. It, it, it's going to be like five or six parts. They're each like an hour long. They've, they've released the first two parts. You got to watch Hulu every week to get the next part. And yes, it's based on the famous book. It, it, yes, it, it, there was the famous miniseries in 1980, and it's the same story, but it's more culturally sensitive, my friend. Oh, God. Yeah. It, it, okay. A lot of it, you know, a lot of it done in Japanese. To, to you know represent is, the Japanese I'm fine with that, that the, okay yeah. yeah that's fine you know uh you know they'll bring in a lot of you know of course Japanese actors and such and you know listen I I I fear the problem is you've got to hook people early this this is a in many senses I mean yes it's a love story but it's also a political thriller in a way you know the story oh, yeah. that you have these 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 five leaders who are kind of jockeying for power after after the big guy passes away and his heir is not of age yet and they're supposed to maintain some sort of peace until that heir becomes of age but you know no one's going to do that and so you're waiting to see who's going to double cross who who's going to fight the war etc ah, pardon me all right i'm really at like two waffles i think it's going pretty darn slow for a miniseries, which granted you've got to fill a lot of right, time, right? Right. I, well, I you got to start hooking I do, these fast. God, I don't know how much time. <clears throat> this is a this is a this is a, a James Clavell book, right? And it's like yeah, eight hundred and ninety pages. Okay, this thing is, it's four inches thick. This is not something you if if you tried to do it scene for scene, this would be a twenty five hour miniseries. So I don't know why they would have to make it slow. They should be able to if it's only going to be five or six episodes, you could pick up the pace a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, so all right, I'm, I'm I'm at two waffles. You know, well, well, it's interesting. We'll have to see. Okay, um, spaceman Adam Sandler is an astronaut. Sent to the edge of space. That's already my suspension of disbelief is pushed to the edge. Is this comedy? Is this drama? Is this a middle ground? Give me what we got. This is serious, Adam Sandler, my friends. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's doing the drama here. And you know it's a drama because he got Carrie Mulligan involved, who's like, you know, gets an Oscar nomination for almost everything she does. And so... He, he plays you know, an astronaut. He's on a trip to the edge of space. Uh, you know, he's having problems. He left behind his pregnant wife, played by Carrie Mulligan. And, you know, he's starting to realize that, you know, she hasn't contacted me in a while. Like, you know, things didn't, we, we did, I didn't leave on good terms. And I'm very lonely out here in space. And he starts to think about the sacrifices he's made, the decisions he's made. And then in the moment that will tell you whether or not you're going to watch this movie, he starts this conversation with a space spider that is on the ship. Okay. Yeah. All right. This, this, this is where okay. you know, this, this is where you either go, I'm in or I'm out. Okay? Right, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you watch but, this thing. It's a Netflix movie. What uh, what do you think? 
I'm at two and a half waffles. I mean, I, I actually, I think that, you know, there is something nice about this exploration of what is important in our lives. What, what do we put first? What do we put second? You know, how, how do, how do we accept all these challenges? I, I really do like that. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of goofy stuff about the movie that doesn't make sense. Like why is he a check? Uh, a Czechoslovakian astronaut. Right, right. When is this movie really supposed to be taking place? You can't tell because of the clothing and then stuff like that. But I'm I'm at two and a half waffles. I'm okay. I'm good with this. All right, we're down to a minute. So first things first, we've okay. Dune Part Two. I need I need to know where you are at waffle wise, and then we'll break it down. So tell me, Dune Part Two, where are you at? I'm at two waffles. Oh, okay. All right. Now I, tell me I why. I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the first Dune. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but I, I think this, I think this one's better. I mean, because I think they're really starting to advance the story here. You know, we're seeing Timothy Chalamet here. You know, as this emerging messiah. Uh, you know, seeking revenge for what was done to his family. Uh, you know, forming a relationship with Zendaya. You know, starting to starting to you know maybe become the person or the man he never could have been if he had not been set out onto the onto the uh, onto the sand. You know, I think there's some decent action. I think, you know, it's a big scope movie. It looks great. Yep, yep. It's two hours and 46 minutes, man. That's a lot right. of time. Willie, <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish we could keep going, but we got to go. Folks, we're back on Monday. We will see you then. Have a great day. Damn, I hate getting pushed up to the clock like that. But let me let me just say this first. Okay, yep. so first of all, um, I don't know. Did you ever read the books? Or are you a Frank Herbert fan? No. Okay, so never read the books. I so read that. I'm I'm down there. Okay, yep. so I read the books. Mm-hmm. Books are fantastic. They're they're so. I mean, they're, they're there's a lot. Okay, first of all, then of course I watched the David Lynch version, which. Um, I actually had a bootleg of the director's cut, which was almost four hours long, which oh, was which okay. was which was actually good. The the other one not so good, but again, it was an interesting take on the whole thing. Then I watched the Sci-Fi Channel; they had their series of it, which was okay. You know, I mean, it, each one had its thing. But I will say that the that this movie, Villeneuve's movie, was as close as it could be to the books, the origins of the books, and I was. I mean, to me, it was a three, three and a half waffle movie, the first one. Okay. So if you're saying that the second one is better, I'm good. Now, do they do they give you a satisfying ending? Because there's more to there could be more to come, and there's talk that Villeneuve, uh, Villeneuve may be doing Dune Messiah and Children of Dune and some of these other works that kind of come later on down the road. But what what does was it a satisfying ending? Or did you feel like it was a completed a story bit. arc or what? I like the ending. It is a completed story arc. You know, it's it's not a happy ending, but like you said, there there real there is a plan to do a third movie based on kind of the sequel book that came out. Um, there there's plans to do a TV show uh, that will fill in some of the stories. So you know, I think they did a decent job of giving me an ending. If there isn't another movie, and if there is another movie, well, it does feel like it would stand alone. It would progress the story uh, because they're kind of in a lot of ways they're setting up. What you know, from what I understand, happens in the third book. That I'm sure you can tell me what's going to happen in the third book, right? Uh, so, so I think that I mean that was okay with me, and, and you know, I, I just you know, and I do like a lot of the action scenes. I it looks amazing on the screen. I mean, right? You know, I, I saw the I saw the first Dune, you know, at home on 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 my computer screen because well, it was the COVID times, right? And, you know, and 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 they sent it to me because you didn't want to go to the theaters to see right. things, yeah. 
So I think I, I was more impressed with this version simply just from that aspect of it. Well, all. cinegraphically, this thing is, I mean, from a cinematography standpoint, it's amazing. It's amazingly shot. Yeah. The effects were done very well. I mean, just everything about it. Um, uh, the um, uh, Skarsgård is amazing as the Baron, and uh, I think Chalamet does a great job. Javier Bardem, uh, Jason Momoa, I mean, just all these different characters. I thought it was very well done, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. But again, I'm probably looking forward to it on my own 75-inch television instead of the movies. But I don't know. I still no. haven't been to the movies, man. I still have not been to the movies since COVID. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to climb into a theater. I just We just never seem to get around well, to it. 75-inch screen? You, you pretty much have your own little theater. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, that's, you know... You I, know. That was one of my splurges during the early part of COVID as my other TV was dying. And I'm like, okay, so I just got the biggest one that I could get. And I'm like, okay, so there you go. Now I don't have to go to the movies. And uh, it's definitely <laughs> definitely paid off at that point. All right, Willie, what are we doing next week quickly here? Oh, next week we are talking about Kung Fu Panda 4. No, no, we're not. No. <laughs> no, we're not. We and, could talk about, I mean, the Oscars are going to be next uh, week. No, we talk no, about the no, we're not. No, we're oh, not. We're okay, gonna, okay. I don't know. Something, yeah, man. Come I, on. Work with me here. I think there's here. a movie called Imaginary that's coming out. I think that's next week. Oh, my we'll God. See. We'll see it's how the it goes. Dry, it's the dry season. All right. Well, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. All right, my friend. Well, it's good to talk with you. We'll catch you next week. All right. Catch you later. All right, folks. Out of time. We will see you on Monday, I think. Rob Myers and Sarah Montalbano, but no, no guarantees as of yet. We're working on it. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.